Welcome back to While We Are On The Subject with Aaron and Ryan, the show that makes politics fun again. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of While We're On The Subject. I'm here with the friendly, always friendly, Ryan Bethay. I would have preferred amicable or ameliorated. Those are good EDL words. Too bad I was educated in Texas. We didn't really get that. Don't mess with Texas. The only word you ever need to be able to spell is barbecue. <laughs> uh, today we're going to talk about the healthcare bill. Uh, Trump Care, Ryan Care, more formally known as the American Healthcare Act, was passed past the House the, uh, this past week. And with a pretty narrow margin, we had 20 Republicans abstaining or saying no, and uh, but it passed. So in March, this was considered a failure, and now the Trump can claim this as a legislative victory. CNN and the rest of the news world was begrudgingly saying this was a victory for him. I think objectively it is. And healthcare reform is now on the table in the Senate. Uh, I know I, I doubt we will see a Senate bill probably for a month or two. Um, but this is the first step. So I'd probably say we're, we're, we're either fourth or third way through this legislative process. Uh, but it's definitely now in progress. Okay. First off, got to do some clarification here, Aaron. I want us to, I want you to make sure we don't mix this up because whoever is naming these bills, we have got to get some more creativity. So correct me where I'm here. The affordable healthcare act that's Obamacare. Yes. And now we're going to the American Health Care Act. For America. So anything that is not part of this bill by default becomes the Un-American Health Care yeah, Act, right? Yeah, yeah. They, uh, there have been some like creative names that have caught on, right? For like, like DACA for the Dreamers. But in general, yeah, m- most of these acronyms end up not meaning anything and are just political tools to, to advance, advance their cause. Uh, but but the details of the American Healthcare Act are very similar to what was dis- basically not voted on but heavily discussed in in March. So it's essentially the bill that that Ryan developed um, in 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 committee. This is Speaker Ryan, by Spe- the way, yeah, Speaker Ryan. This is uh, not me. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, sometimes I just call him Paul because you know we're, we're basically texting buddies. And the Apostle Paul Ryan, okay, <laughs> the Apostle got Paul it. Ryan. And so that was rejected, and then they added in a couple more amendments, and this was heavily pushed by the White House while they were on recess. And and these provisions included the pre-existing, uh, pre-existing conditions, the waivers, and the the high risk pools, other things like that, to to help in the in the transfer from Obamacare into into uh, this new healthcare program. Uh, in general, broadly speaking. Uh, the bill, what it does is it reduces the uh, Medicaid expansion, increases uh, tax credits for for buying health insurance. It still uh, it still encourages people to have continuous coverage, so it changes the individual mandate into this continuing coverage uh, tax credit. It includes protections for uh, pre existing conditions, and it reforms a lot of the. Uh, basically federalized control of healthcare back down to the individual states. Uh, and all, also a lot of the healthcare taxes that were passed under Obama are repealed. And essentially you'll probably see practically flowing out is that you'll see more people who 
who originally did not want to have insurance probably will leave and not have insurance. You'll probably see uh, higher insurance premiums for people who utilize healthcare more. You'll see lower uh, premium costs for people who do not use healthcare as much. So we're sort of restratifying out where the, the cost savings go. And you probably actually will see my, my assumption. You actually probably see more people competing on a cheaper, uh, cheaper plan basis than during there and than during uh, underneath the the Obamacare uh, regime. I like how you refer to it as regime. I mean, it was it was eight years of a rollout, and they and people don't remember that they delayed a lot of it. A lot of it never didn't pass legal muster. And the current thing that we have implemented isn't even what a lot of the things that Obama wanted or the Congress passed. So the the debate, I feel, is also kind of not on, under the right framing because healthcare is basically in the process of bankrupting the federal government. Uh, if you look at outside of, you know, defense is large. It's anywhere between – it's usually less than a quarter of uh, the federal budget – in, in terms of, of of comparative to GDP, and increasingly, increasingly, entitlements are sucking away at the federal government, and the VA costs are also out of control. So I just, it's kind of interesting that that while when we, when we talk about taxes, people only talk about finances, but when we talk about healthcare, people only talk about coverage in the sense that someone has to pay to get that coverage and pay for those expenses. Let alone that then the Obamacare defense are also defending the expansion of coverage underneath Medicaid when only, I believe only like one fourth of actual healthcare providers, you know, accept Medicaid because the coverage is because the, the pricing is so bad. So this whole debate is, 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 is really hard to like nail down where actual truth resides because the emotion behind it is so strong. So Aaron, what is the net all right, so is there any chance this is going to just pass the Senate? And I mean, what's the what's the projection here for the reconciliation for this bill? I mean, are we? Do you think this has a shot, or what's going to happen? Uh, I do think the Senate will pass something. Uh, I think it will be uh, not as this truly actually is a a centrist bill. It is not. If you like the majority of opinions uh, for for Republicans who did not vote for it, most of it was oriented towards the fact it didn't actually fully repeal Obamacare, which is actually true. What it does is it, is it takes some of those elements, reformats them into a deregulated, less, basically less government interference approach. And it's allowing people to, to purchase more on their own rather than having the government basically tell them what they can purchase or not purchase. Uh, so, some form of it will probably pass the Senate and it'll probably be a few months and then go rec- reconciliation. And then it will again be, be voted in both houses again after reconciliation. So the current political narrative, which is really so that everyone knows is, is creating, is, is, is creating a sense of hysteria. Nothing has changed. This is the first step in all legislation because house is the one that writes legislation. Senate is the one that supposedly edits it, edits it. And this is also very different. This is how Obamacare passed when the original House bill that was passed is very different than the bill that that Harry Reid finally produced that ultimately became uh, Obamacare. So, so people, just so everyone knows, people in the media they're talking about as if X Y Z is happening and a bunch of people are going to be, you know, throwing off their healthcare plans. None of that's happened. We don't know what the final thing is going to look like, but it is very important for 
for the how American legislative process works, the House has to pass something initially. Uh, the House is responsible for anything on the budget side regarding legislation to begin the process. And I'm sure that was probably one of the core arguments that uh, Trump was when he was when he was politicking during recess was making to these these representatives. Do you think Trump was disappointed to learn that recess was actually not what he probably thought it was as far as being able to go play on the playground? Yeah, or go to Mar-a-Lago for another round of golf. That is true. I'd be interested to see Mar-a-Lago. I wonder if uh, the people who are employed at Mar-a-Lago, if they have what kind of health benefits they have. Like, I mean, I believe he has all those people under, like, they're W-2, they're full-time employees. You mean, like, in do they have good health care or bad health care? Yeah, coverage, I should just, say. Yeah, I'd be interested to see. Also, what's fascinating to me is your last name is this trend of where you just put the last name of a leader in front of it. Trump care, Ryan care, yeah. Obama care. I'm really trying to think of some of the like the cooler senators if they put forth a plan like Cruz care. That sounds kind of interesting. <laughs> I don't know, what's Cruz care like or uh, Sanders care. Sanders care would be interesting or uh, Penn care. If it was, uh, I just try to think which ones would work better. Are there any really cool last names in the Senate that would really be awesome? Sasscare, sassy okay. people. Okay, okay, mm. I guess that. Actually, you know, it'd be interesting is if Schwarzenegger was a senator. Schwarzenegger care. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. Uh, th- this this debate will continue for the next few months and. I think people need to understand that the debate is not is not between what we have now is perfect and, and Republicans are messing up. What we have right now is in people say imploding is is that's a very heavy serious word. I would say it's seriously deteriorating quickly at a pace that people did not expect and even the proponents of Obamacare including the quote unquote architects of it have said that the plan, the current implementation of it has serious issues that need to be resolved. Now, generally they're not, they're not very detailed on what those things are resolved. Neither are the people who are criticizing current Trump care are that particularly detailed outside of just saying, Oh my gosh, people are going to be not covered. And Oh my gosh, like older, elder people are going to pay, be paid more The everyone. If you want to see like a really good debate about, this issue, you should watch Fox News, Fox News Sunday between Kyle Rove and the architect of uh, Obamacare, Gruber. And basically Rove, more or less, I believe he won the debate because he uses a lot of statistics to show how Obamacare is, is imploding on itself. And this plan at least puts us in trying to roll back a lot of those, a lot of those, those errors. Uh, in, in one respect, it, as Bill Maher said this weekend, the, the he sees the main victory of Obamacare is it has moved Americans thinking about health care from a product to a right. And that's from a liberal Bill Moore, which I think is true. People now think it's it's a right. If you have a right to someone else's service, mm-hmm. that's a problem because until that service is rendered you actually have every right to go and, and actually force them into it, right? I mean, if you have a right to someone's service, isn't that technically that's where we get slavery or indentured servitude, right? It's also, it's, healthcare is incredibly expensive. So it's, it's, it's to me not ironic that the, the healthcare providers came out against this bill. Well, yeah, because I don't want more and more people working in healthcare. The, the, one of the largest increases 
in healthcare employment have been coders because because the, the Obamacare required that they implement all these electronic healthcare records. That then you got to hire people to do that, and you got to hire more people to manage that. So having more and more people work in healthcare is basically increasing the cost of healthcare. So I'm like, yeah, well, why are why are people upset that that they're against it? Of course they'd be against it. It's against their industry's interests that they want to make more money. And and studies have shown that healthcare provider concentration is more correlated than than healthcare uh, insurer concentration, because this is a, this is a supply constrained industry. Uh, with basically very inelastic demand, which basically means that there is not as many doctors as we need because there's there is a current doctor shortage that is going to grow over the next ten years. And secondarily, is that there is a, there's an inelastic curve, which means that people are not as price sensitive as they are when they're going to buy a TV or they're going to buy a car or buy a house because of things related to uh, asymmetrical inf- information. They don't have all the information they need to make an educated decision. Things these things are needed to in 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 making it an efficient market so meaning your doctor tells you you need this and you don't question it yeah like you don't know right because you just trust them like i don't know what an mri mri does or a cat scan so th- this this whole you don't know what an mri or a cat scan does i can actually huh. delineate the difference between the two if you well, like magnetic resonance imaging is actually really one of the perks of in the u.s uh healthcare system we've got so many mri that's true so many mri machines you don't even know okay that is and true. it's actually wonderfully te- it's a wonderful technique to diagnose muscular and uh, images that don't have to do with bone but but a patient doesn't know i mean one is like you know that because you're super smart and you're like incredibly intelligent uh you don't need mri to tell you that and no, if no, you can spell it that's the first step. You're right, though. I accept one of those propositions is true. Yes, one of those propositions is true. But the average patient doesn't know, let alone that you can't, you generally cannot understand. You can't self-diagnose of like, okay, I have this issue, go to the doctor, and MRI is going to help me know whether or not I have this problem. Or if I can compare an MRI with a CT scan. And CT scans are way more advanced, way more complicated, and a lot, and much more expensive. But there, there are only two ways... Uh, and people are not honest in this discussion about healthcare reform. There's only two ways we know for sure to manage healthcare, the healthcare market. You either ration through quantity or you ration through price. Those are the only two ways because it's, it's a market. So other nations have decided to ration through quantities, right? So in Canada, uh, I believe only until a couple of years ago, the number of MRI scanners they had in in Canada was basically equal to how many... Th- MRI scanners are in Dallas, Texas. So not a lot, right? Because they ration through, they, they prevent people from accessing these different type of modalities and treatments because they're trying to control costs because the government is a single payer and a single provider. So in America, we have decided to do a combination of both. Uh, we try to ration through price for certain things. We try to ration through 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 quantity. It is a complete misnomer that we live in a market-driven healthcare system that is not true. Everything is set off of government pricing that is set through Medicare and Medicaid services. And insurance providers every year, they look at what Medicare is going to pay, and they basically negotiate off of that. We're, we're, we're not in a market-driven system. We're in this hybrid system that's constantly competing whether or not we're going to be more uh, supply-driven, uh, as in restraining quantity, or we're going to be more on the price side. Uh, so under Obama, we expanded the the government controls on quantity, uh, and then under under President Trump, he wants to roll those back and move back, move us back towards uh, more rationing on the on the insurance plan side, which would be on the pricing side. 
Do you think one of those is better than the other, or is this just too complicated to know? Yeah, I don't know. No one really knows how to fix healthcare uh, regarding price. I mean, no nation has really figured it out, and because there's downsides to every 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 model, uh, let alone the, the size of America. Right, 330 million Americans that all have different ethnic and racial backgrounds uh, live across greatly diverse uh, economic and climate uh, in like environments. No one is, no, there's no country that's like America in that, in that respect. So there are interesting models in Singapore. That's like a, a blend of single payer, uh, requiring individual mandate and then have, but they have massive responsibility on the individual level. Uh, and then you have more nationalized systems, uh, like in the UK, Canada, and most European markets. However, the difference is that the number of people in those countries is a lot smaller than, you know, none of them are bigger than the size of California and they all are basically the same. Uh, so they, they'll have very similar ideologies. They'll have very similar, you know, racial, uh, and, and genetic backgrounds that make it easier to accommodate those types of things in, in developing healthcare, uh, and like, I'm sorry, in controlling healthcare costs. I actually know how to fix healthcare, Aaron. I've actually been holding back from everybody for a while. Well, you should tweet it to Trump. What is it? Well, I've noticed that uh, Carl's Jr. has this burger that's advertised on one of their billboards right outside my apartment. And it appears to have four strips of bacon, three patties, cheese, uh, some other sort of sauce that seems to be emanating from it. And I feel that should we not consume any of those, we perhaps might lower the overall circumference of people's waste by a a significant uh, amount over the course of their lives should they not consume that however i don't know how if it's possible to give up something like in and outs double doubles right i mean we just got too much good food in this country man so we either got maybe we should do a bloomberg ban he banned soda but why stop there but you and i both believe fat does make you fat so out of that you're right. Billboard. The problem with that burger is that it has a processed white flour bun, which yes. raises your ins- which raises your blood sugar, causing an insulin spike, thus lowering your ability to metabolize fat efficiently. Yeah, and and that sauce is probably made of some soybean based uh, oil that has lots, probably lots of sugar in it, and not the not the best type of good fats. That's right, man. That's that's the reason you shouldn't have that burger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the healthcare debate will continue. Ryan and I will cover this for you and not cover you medically yes yeah we definitely can't afford that uh we want to make sure that's very clear to you that we are not covering insurance actually we should here's the question we should go back to that other episode we did on france and find out when people marry people um who are dead do you get health benefits for dead people oh yeah you take do you take over some of their insurance policies yeah like yeah what about the eiffel tower i mean that one has a lot of health benefits for the woman who married the eiffel tower yeah well, all right. Well, thank thanks everyone for taking this time to listen. Uh, healthcare debate will continue to rage on for the next month or so. And stay tuned to while we're on the subject for Ryan and I to educate you and hopefully make you laugh at the same time about healthcare, which is desperately needed in this time. Sign off, Aaron. <laughs> Congratulations, you've just finished another episode of While We Are On The Subject. To continue your education and improve humanity, please share our content and visit our website at www.ots.com. That's www.ots.com.